self-care is sometimes painful. (laughs) It is uncomfortable and it's sometimes the last thing we want to do, but it's the thing that we need to do to grow and to take care of ourselves. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and on the podcast today, I'm joined by Christina Wilcox. She's an author of the brand new book, Take Care of Your Type, illustrator, mental health advocate, Enneagram expert, and all-round creative, living by the mantra, assume less, love more. I loved sitting down with Christina for today's episode because we really dive into how each of the nine Enneagram types can practice better self-care. But beyond that, how we can practice better self-care, especially right now, one year into the pandemic. And when I tell you that today's new episode is a masterclass in the Enneagram, I am not even kidding. Christina is so knowledgeable and she so generously really shared that knowledge with us in today's new episode. So I just know you're going to love it because we talk about not only the origin of the Enneagram and how Christina first discovered it, but we also talk about how the Enneagram has this ability to unify us and the role of community in the Enneagram, especially as we begin to show up as our most authentic selves. Christina also shares with us how she defines self-care and why self-care is sometimes uncomfortable. We talk really so much in this episode about specific things that each Enneagram type can do during this time. So make sure to listen to it all the way through because whether it applies to your Enneagram type or someone in your life, you're you're just going to want to hear Christina drop some major wisdom. We also talk about how the Enneagram has brought more joy into her life. Christina shares her biggest dream and really so much more. Before we dive in, though, to today's new episode with Christina, I got to share with you our sponsor, our inaugural Seek the Joy Summit, which is on Saturday, April 10th. I am so excited for this summit. It has been totally a labor of love over the last three months, and you guys are just as excited for it. I cannot believe this. I didn't expect this to be the case, but we are almost at capacity for this event and it's over like two weeks away. So if you want to attend the summit, make sure to hit the link in the show notes for today's new episode to register. It is our one day virtual retreat that's going to be filled with empowering conversations and sessions on mindfulness, finding our joy and choosing positivity, stepping into our authentic voice and the importance of sharing our story. There are going to be so many beautiful opportunities to connect with this community. And I am, oh, I am just so excited. And every session is going to feature a guest who has been on the podcast from AJ Sarcioni to Josette Kasik, Lysandra Vasquez, Audrey Ori, Akia Red, Kimothy Joy, and Kelly Rutherford. I'm missing so many, but it's just going to be such a fun day. So to learn more and to register for free, hit that link in our show notes or go to seekthejoypodcast.com slash seekthejoysummit. Plus, when you register for the summit, you're automatically entered into our grand prize giveaway featuring prizes from some of our favorite brands like Yo. Yoga Wake Up, Mind Travel, Primally Pure, The I Am Journal, La Chic Miami, Mining for Soul, and so much more. I cannot wait to see you there. If you've already registered or you're registering right now, send me a message. Let me know that you're in. It's going to be a really great day, and I just, I'm so excited to share it with you. 
All right, guys, that's it. I loved, enjoyed all of the things sitting down with Christina for today's new episode. Like I said, it's truly a masterclass in the Enneagram, and I know you're going to love it from learning how to bring greater self-care into our lives based on our type to continuing to navigate the pandemic and quarantine based on these tips. I just know that there's definitely something in today's new episode for everyone. So make sure to join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. Hit follow wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, all the places. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review. Ratings and reviews really help the podcast get seen by new people, and it's a great way to share what Seek the Joy is all about. So when you leave that review, take a screenshot and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com and I'll send you a little something something to say thank you. All right, guys, that is really it this time. Let's dive in to today's new episode with Christina Wilcox, all about the Enneagram and self-care. So my knowledge of the Enneagram is like small. We've had like one episode about it before. Someone mm-hmm. told me I was a type three. That's kind, of <laughs> all, that's kind of all I know. But I think it's mm-hmm. so cool, your journey to the Enneagram and then how you've used it to frame self-care. So mm. I would love to start by talking about the Enneagram itself, maybe give people like an understanding of what it is, how you found it, and then we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for Um, being here. I'm excited. Yeah, of course. Um, The Enneagram is the oldest personality typing tool that exists. Um, It was the roots of it are kind of unknown or unclear. A lot of different groups of spiritual practices are attempting to claim the, I don't know, the origins of it, but Mm -hmm. From what we know, most likely it was founded in uh, like monast. Whoa, how do you say that? Like a monastery or something? Yeah, monasticism. Oh, is that oh, how you oh, say it? Oh, maybe monastic roots. I'm gonna say monastic, monastic roots because I, I know how right. to say monascus. No, I don't. Apparently. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's fine. Amazing. I think Already that's what off it is, to though. a strong start. Um, no, it's all good. But, that's amazing. I don't think I would be able to pronounce that either. So okay, you're good. Um, all good. We're good. But. Um, it has monastic roots from what we know. And basically the how the Enneagram was used pre-Western, Westernized culture was you would go through it with a mentor and they would be the only person who knew your number. Like you would not tell your number to anybody else because it was supposed to be this process you walked through with someone older and wiser than you as you worked through like childhood wounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And it started being integrated into therapy as well. And then post-Westernized culture, it's obviously become this really amazing craze of memes and resources. And um, while that's good, a lot of the original roots for how to understand yourself to heal different parts of your life, whether that be from childhood or in relationships, understanding how you show up in relationships. A lot of that has been stripped away, though it's slowly coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, So I learned about the Enneagram 
about five years ago, um, I was working at a church actually. And a friend of mine that I worked with was like, Hey, I know you're super into like therapy and psychology and all of this. I think you would enjoy this test. And, um, so I took it. Um, I mistyped two times before I found my actual type. Mm -hmm. So, um, that whole journey was crazy, but I just kind of saw as I made like other people in my life, take it. I was that stereotypical, annoying person that would be like, Hey, we just met. What's your Enneagram number. Have you taken this test? Let me know everything about you, please. Uh Um, So I, uh, start was like fully in that whole mode and also in a pretty like rough situation at a job I was in. Um, there was some trauma that had happened and was very starved creatively and I needed an outlet and I loved the Enneagram so much. I just started posting random graphics on my personal Instagram channel completely for fun. Not no, I still don't have any strategy at all. Like I, there was no forethought to what I was doing. Um, and within eight weeks I went from 800 followers to 30,000 and it continued to grow. Um, and with that, I was able to further my knowledge in the Enneagram. Cause I was like, Oh, now I have this platform. I really have to know what I'm doing now. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I got started in it, what it was used for, what kind of it is used for now and slowly, I'm hoping with this book and other books that are slowly coming out can find a nice balance between the memes and the stereotypes and the fun part of it. And also the very serious, like, no, you can, this can be a language for you Mm -hmm. to like actually fully know yourself, fully love yourself, fully know and love others as well. Mm -hmm. This is such a cool journey. I think you've been on, and it sounds like twofold one it's really aided in your own personal self-development journey, which sounds like For you were sure. on even before you found the Enneagram, which I'm so curious about. But then on the other end too, it's also been this creative outlet for you. Yes. And I think that is like such a good, like something so good for us to talk about because oftentimes what we use, how we explore our own mental health, our own mental wellness, our personal development starts because we found a way to express it through our creativity. And yeah. we don't often talk enough about that, about how mm. it doesn't have to be serious. You don't have to mm. feel like you're banging your head against the wall. Like you can find <laughs> something that's fun and enjoyable that makes you feel like, do you know what I mean? Like you're expressing yourself, I think, in a profound way that's separate from maybe what personal development looked like for our parents or our mm. grandparents. I think, I just love that you talked, you touched a little bit on how it was this creative outlet for you. Yeah, for sure. It, it was at the time, everything that I wanted to do creatively, I like wasn't allowed to do. Mm -hmm. So it kind of put me in this situation and in this box that was like, everything I want to do, I can't. So I have to figure out for my sanity, a way to do something and share it with people. Cause that's like, I've always been the type of person, no matter what I was creating, I really didn't care. I mean, of course, I feel like we all at some point dream like, oh, it would be cool to have a platform, but also don't really want that. I don't know. (laughs) That's kind of where I was. It was like this be cool to have a platform, but also I would rather stay hidden for my whole life. Um, but that obviously wasn't in the cards for me. Um, but I just started being like, I have to find a way 
to stay creative and share it with others and experience that like bonding over that creative experience or else I'm just going to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. I, I really resonate with what you just said because you needed to find an outlet for yourself. And so you created it. Yeah. And I wonder if for you, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So tell me if this resonates, but I wonder mm-hmm. if it, it really comes down to making an impact and helping other people mm. express themselves and find, like you said, a language to speak through or understand yourself or be able to express yourself to others. I mm. wonder, does it come back to that impact for you? I'm wondering because I imagine it's had that impact on you. Personally. Yeah. I think that it, it definitely does. I've always been very concerned with the common good of people. If that makes sense, a lot of it's very easy for me to create. If there's a purpose of, I know this will make someone feel safe. Cause often, even when I share my own story with my mental health journey or parts about the Enneagram that feel vulnerable, um, if I know that someone will feel like they belong because, or see how, what I love about the Enneagram is though you can see how like you're different from others. I really love focusing on how we're actually very similar. Like everyone, no matter their core desire or fear, like we live very similar human experiences because we're all human. And I love how unifying it can be. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, the impact part of it, but also I think just in a way, wanting to create a safe space for myself. Mm. And I, it was like, I have to include others in that too. Mm. I love what you just said that it's about unifying people because often Mm. when we look at a personality test or astrology or anything under the sun, we are looking at how our traits are different. Sometimes people label things as good or bad. Yeah, There's like a sense sometimes of like, oh, I'm this type and I'm better. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I feel like there's that vibe. Um, And so I love that you talked about how it's really about unifying people and really showing our commonalities. And so what determines your Enneagram type? Like what are the things that kind of go into determining like what somebody's type might be? Yeah. So the main thing that you'll probably hear is um, finding out which core desire and fear you most resonate with. Um, In other books about the Enneagram and when you dig further into it, it's really also about the childhood wound and Mm. finding out like what childhood wound or message was communicated to you that developed these core desires and fears. Um, In my book, I mainly just talk about the core desires and fears just to keep it very straightforward and practical. Um, But really the fear or desire that makes you feel the most like, ah, that's public information. Like, Mm -hmm. excuse me, just the most, (laughs) like, I feel very violated and exposed. Um, That's usually the one that is your type is when you feel like someone's in on the secret, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, Mm -hmm. no, who gave you permission? (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's usually how you find your type. That's interesting. Okay. So you talked about how you mistyped yourself twice. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm curious then how do you recommend or suggest people figure out their true type? And I guess my second question along these lines are like, can your type change over time? Like as Mm. you grow and mature? Um, So I'm curious because you said you were mistyped. I'm like, oh God, am I? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're good. I think 
for me specifically, a part of my mistyping journey, which sounds kind of dramatic, but I'm just going to call it a journey. But I like um, that because it is a journey. Yeah. Journey too. So yes, love that you exactly. That. Yeah. No, no, no. That's like, that's the point of what I was saying is like, yeah. uh, so I'm a six wing seven and a huge part of sixes is the, um, indecisiveness, being unsure, craving certainty and security and safety and belonging. And a part of my mistyping the first time was just being like, eh, I don't know if I'm really that type. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And just kind of second guessing everything. Yeah. Um, the second time is because I mistyped as my stress number. Um, so though your Enneagram type can't change, I really don't think your Enneagram type can change unless you experience something that is so incredibly traumatic that it rewires your brain, Mm -hmm. um, which can happen. Um, but other than that, very singular experience. I think that you remain the same type, but you have a type you go to, um, in stress, like qualities you take on of a type in stress and qualities of a type you take on in like growth and confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, for six, the stress number for them is a three. And so for a long time, I was operating in that three space to the point where I thought I was a three. Mm -hmm. Um, but all, most of my friends, family, um, even, and tests usually aren't crazy accurate, but even tests at this point, all were saying I was a six. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just was like, no, I'm a three. Like you don't understand. But then once I started moving into like my actual personality and in a space of health, I was like, oh no, wow, I've been stressed for this amount of years. And that's why I was showing up um, as as that number. And so I think that how you can find your true number is taking your time. I think with the Westernized culture that we're in within the Enneagram and also just in general, everything has to be, I need to know now, fast paced, like gonna know my type, know what I need to do. Okay, done with it. Um, but I think if you're going to take it seriously and for what it was originally intended to like take all the time you need, especially when you're in like your twenties, you're just coming out of that whole middle school, high school, college experience. And you're just understanding for the first time, what are my desires? Mm -hmm. What are my fears? And so allow yourself to just take your time, process through all of it, invite community in it with you. Um, cause that's what ended up helping me actually find my type as well. Hmm. I love what you said too, about this element of community, like welcoming it in and welcoming other people mm-hmm. around you. Because I think when we're either talking about self-care or self-worth, or we're talking about our own mental health or mental wellness journeys, it can feel very isolating, especially oh, yeah. if you're not in a space yet where you are ready to share, you are ready to open up. Um, so I'm curious for you, how has community played a role for you in the realm of the Enneagram and <laughs> understanding your type? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think um, showing up as your authentic self as you're finding it and allowing yourself to just be in community as your authentic self has been the biggest thing for me and what actually helped me find my Enneagram type moving out of a space in a community where I was in stress most of the time to now in a space where I'm operating to average to healthy levels. Um, it, 
allowing myself to like, I think for the first time I was really opening up to people about my worries and saying them out loud. Um, and allowing other people to experience your authentic self, I think is a great way to experience the Enneagram because not only that you'll experience their authentic self and what it looks like within their Enneagram number two. And it just creates this whole like mutual deep understanding Mm -hmm. that I think is so important. Cause I think when you're in community and you involve the Enneagram, like you said, learning about yourself so much all the time can become isolating. Um, and I think it's important to take those breaks to be like, I want to learn about you now. And I want to learn about us Mm -hmm. and how can we learn about us two together in this situation by our unique experiences? How can we come to that point of unity by what we're learning separately? And for me, at least I found that energizing and wanting me to keep going and breathing life into my self-discovery process. Yeah. What you just said makes so much sense to me because you learn so much about yourself through relationships with others, through communication, through how you respond, how they respond. So it, it really isn't as much of an individual journey as I think sometimes we think it is because Mm. you really play off of your relationships and what you're learning from somebody else. You know, so I know the book is all about Mm -hmm. taking care of your type. Yes. And it really focuses on self-care. But Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how do you define self-care? How do you look at it? And uh, has your perspective around self-care changed through writing the book too? Like, I'm just Mm. curious about this. Yeah, I think that when the book was like originated, I wanted to really challenge the the definition of self-care. Um, I feel like even more so than at the beginning of the book, because at the beginning of the book, I felt like self-care is sometimes painful. <laughs> it yes. is uncomfortable and it's sometimes the last thing we want to do, but it's the thing that we need to do to grow and to take care of ourselves. And though it is still fun, like I found too, I've recently loved like through quarantine developed this habit of like baths and walks and like all the traditional things that you hear about self-care, which, um, I still think are incredibly important. Um, so I feel like in a way, my perspective has been like, I see the value of taking care of my physical self in that way. Yeah. Um, but I also, even more so than at the beginning of the writing process, believe that self-care is often the last thing we want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's that internal confrontation we have to make that seems to be the most all consuming and painful, but unless you, um, my therapist and everyone I've ever met always says the only way out is through. Mm -hmm. And that's how I view self-care of like, okay, I know that I struggle with this people in my life has told, have told me I struggle with this. I see how the struggle has hurt other people in my life, has hurt myself. If I don't go into this head on and try and heal, try and create a path forward, feel all of the feelings in it too. Like I'm going to be stuck where I'm at, even if I still keep exercising and take all the baths that I want, like until that thing is addressed, 
there will not be true authentic growth. And so that's what I tried to express in the book. And I feel like even more so now that is what I try and do every day as well in my self-care practice. Yeah. I love what you said that self-care can make us feel uncomfortable. And in fact, it's supposed to. Yeah. And that it goes far beyond just taking care of the physical body. Self-care is mental. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's physical. It's uh, interpersonal. Mm. And so if we can, I think, begin to view self-care through that lens of it being larger, more expansive, um, than just the physical stuff. Like you said, it doesn't take away from the importance of taking care of your physical body and relaxing or going on a walk or taking a bath, all the things that we see. But I I love your perspective on it is that really, and I know you talk about this in the book, it's more so about being whole. It's about this like holistic, well-rounded view of taking care of yourself. And so how does understanding your type really help you do this? Because I know there are nine types. Mm -hmm. um, And so it's a journey, like we've been saying, of like (laughs) understanding your Enneagram type and and kind of diving all in. But how can someone begin to view their own personal self-care through the lens of the Enneagram or through the lens of understanding their type? Yeah. So I think kind of nerding out for a second with some more Enneagram knowledge. Yes. Um, Within the nine types, there are three different triads. So the gut triad, which is like these types are very connected to their anger and their body. Um, Type nine though, within that group is the least connected to their body, Mm. um, which is interesting, which, cause that's their natural instinct, but it's suppressed. And then there's the heart triad, which is two, three, and four. Um, threes are the least connected to their heart, even though that's also their natural way of being. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are very feelings, image, people oriented. Um, and then there's five, six, and seven, which are which is the mind triad. They're very connected to fear, very connected to problem solving, um, thinking through things. Sixes though are the ones, so threes, nines, and sixes in common are like the anchor points of the Enneagram that are the least connected to their center, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And within these triads, um, threes, sevens, and eights are the dominant doing aggressive type. So they are people who do and think and feeling is put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we have ones, twos, and sixes who are dominant in doing and feeling, but productive thinking is put on the back burner. And then four, fives, and nines are the withdrawn type and being connected to their body is their weak point. Mm-hmm. And so I think understanding that information for three, sevens, and eights, they're probably going to be super connected to their body, super connected to their mind not connected to their feelings. And so understanding that as like a map of like, I think the first thing in my self-care journey I have to do, which is the most uncomfortable and painful for me is connecting to my heart and connecting to my emotions and sitting in my feelings where for one, two, and six, they're connected to their feelings. They're connected to their body. They're not really connected to their mind in a productive way to where they're not either criticizing themselves, judging themselves, um, irrationally thinking through things, um, constantly thinking about what other people are thinking about them, people pleasing. So taking time to how can I 
think well and think productively and take care of my mind. And for four fives and nines, they think and feel very easily. They love to have dreams. They love to be in their emotions. They love to think about things deeply. Um, but they have a, they can struggle with being sedentary. They can struggle with, um, mistaking very big emotional or, uh, mental problems for just needing to do the dishes or needing to take a walk and being connected to your body. And so understanding what your top weak point is in a sense, in regards to the Enneagram just gives you a baseline, like, okay, I know that this is the one thing that I struggle with. And that will, when you address that one thing, it will also help you be more connected to what you're already naturally good at. (laughs) Mm. I love what you just shared because I I don't think I've ever heard what you just described is like either you're not connected enough to the heart, to the mind, Mm -hmm. or to the body. And I think if we know that about ourselves, then we can two things. One, understand why certain things make us so uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) And then two, know where we need to focus more of maybe our energy. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are someone maybe that is really in tune with your body, you don't need to focus so much on the exercise or what you're eating, but more so about connecting with your emotions and allowing yourself to feel deeply and not run away and not yeah. be afraid. And, and so I think that's really, really good insight. I'm so happy that you shared that, you know, mm-hmm. especially because we are basically at a year of this pandemic and a mm-hmm. year of being in quarantine. And I don't know about you, but like, I feel like my self-care has gone in waves. Like at the Mm. very beginning, I was like, oh, I'm going to like, I have all this time in the day. Like I don't have to be in an office. Like I'm going to go on a walk or I'm going to, you know, sleep an extra 30 minutes, whatever. And then Mm -hmm. there was a time where I was like, no self-care, no time. There's so much to do. (laughs) Productivity thing. And then by the end of like 2020, I was, well, I'm still really tired, but I was really, really tired. And I think we're all going through these cycles with our self-care, with our feelings of self-worth and tied with productivity Mm. right now. I feel like how we feel right now at a year mark of the pandemic is very different from how we felt at the beginning. And so I'm interested for your advice or just your perspective, Christina, on how people can sort of address this time through the lens of the Enneagram, through the lens of taking care of themselves, what, what would be your advice or your insights or what do you just think about the whole thing? Mm. I think, you know, your perspective is super interesting. Yeah. Well, first, I think that something that immediately came to mind was that though we started the pandemic and now we're at a year of it at completely different mindsets, Yeah. the level of unknown and uncertainty is still present. Yeah. So that hasn't changed. And I think that's what makes it even more difficult is because there still isn't a plan or path forward necessarily. There are things in motion and there are things happening, thankfully, in comparison to where we were last year, but it's still this, we have no idea when this is going to end. Yeah. There's still so much to do, right. And yeah. figure out. And so yeah, of course, like, do, it's amazing. There are vaccines, but it's like, when is this really going to end? Like we just yeah. don't know. We just don't And know. that's the thing too, is I think there's a level of accepting that what we all experienced globally was traumatic. We mm-hmm. lived through a historical traumatic time and the emotional ramifications of what we experienced won't end for a while. And yeah. that's okay. Like 
this was something that I, at one point, which this doesn't have to be a self-care tip for, well, actually this is a good, this is a good segue into the self-care tips. Um, I think for, I'm just going to start off with type one in light of what I just said for type one, I think something that would be really beneficial for you is to journal about how far you've come because ones are very concerned with morality and efficiency and goodness. And they have a tendency to continually critique themselves to the point where they forget how far they've actually come. They get so narrow focused on what's presently in front of them, how they're presently not measuring up that they forget how much they've grown. Mm -hmm. And especially in regards to the the pandemic where there is no plan to make really, there is no path forward still. Take some time to actually think about where was I last March? What was I feeling? How is that different? What did quarantine teach me? What did it not teach me? How how did it suck? Like how Mm -hmm. hard was it? And just kind of processing all of those feelings written down so you can see even in how you're writing how much you've grown. I think that's so, so, so important. And I feel like for twos, similarly, twos are very focused on other people. They feel as though it's their duty to help other people um, to the point where they can completely disregard their own personhood in the midst of that, while also resenting people for not helping them back secretly. Um, And so I think something in a more futuristic way for twos is think about how you can take this year. If we're literally going to have another year stuck in this, not saying it will be another year, but if it is for however long we're stuck in this, how are you going to help yourself this year? And just turn it back into, because I know when the pandemic was happening, the twos in my life, baking things for people, sending cards out, asking if everyone was okay, focusing on everyone else's well-being except for their own. And so I want you to figure out how am I going to do that for myself this year? Because it's okay if you're not okay. And it's okay if you need help. This is a great time to figure out how to ask for help and how to express your needs. Um, For threes, man, threes love goals. (laughs) Um, Threes love goals and checklists and are enthusiastic about bettering themselves, bettering the people around them. They love impact. I feel like what were you, you were saying earlier about impact, Mm -hmm. like a part of a threes desire is, to have impact, to be successful, um, to not be seen as anything other than someone who's impactful and successful. Um, and so I feel like for threes, again, since we are potentially stuck in this for however long that Mm -hmm. we are, um, for threes, I think it's important to let someone catch you. Um, I think that you are probably burned out at this point, Um, exhausted, perhaps even where you are currently, Sydney. (laughs) Um, Letting someone that you trust know that and letting them catch you Mm -hmm. and letting yourself break down the wall in front of them. It doesn't have to be a public thing. It doesn't have to be in front of anybody else except for this one person, but letting someone catch you as you burn out. 
mm-hmm. and inviting someone into that space with you so you don't feel alone. Because I know threes, three, sevens, and eights, though they're the most aggressive, like aggressive is a weird word, but I just mean like driven. Mm-hmm. They're the most like go-getter numbers, um, stereotypically. And I think that, um, that can be very isolating and usually the threes, eights, and sevens in your life are the ones that you think are okay, even if they're not. And so people may not recognize that about you. So you have to tell them and just finding that one person to, again, sit with you and catch you in this whole experience, I think is super important. Um, For fours, man, fours have felt the pandemic to its core, probably. I just imagine fours feeling this pandemic deeply in their gut the whole time. Um, They have most likely processed this pandemic more than any of us have. So I want to encourage fours to start sharing your insights because you've probably felt all the feelings. Mm -hmm. You've probably thought through what needs to be said or done. And I'm going to challenge you because a lot of fours can often feel even um, unqualified and inadequate to do these things. I want to call you up and say, we need that insight. We need you to teach us how to feel the feelings. Like a lot of people are struggling to do that. And your insight is so valuable. And I think sharing that creativity as well and expressing yourself through your story and not just using it as a way of self-expression, but how can I help someone else express themselves through what I'm doing? Um, I think that would be a great way to take care of yourself this year because it would also pull you out of any sadness or melancholy that you're kind of choosing to sit in because it's comfortable. I think allowing yourself to be like, no, I'm going to start sharing. I'm going to start doing people want me and need me and kind of give yourself that affirmation to help us all out. Cause we really need that. Your insight. Truly. I always admire the fours in my life and how connected they are to their um, emotional experience. And it often helps me on my own journey as well. Um, for type fives, man, um, I'm actually going to open my book here because fives are one of my favorite numbers for sure. Um, and I think that, okay, this is a good one. I think that for you, perhaps even though the pandemic was uncomfortable, it probably wasn't terrifyingly uncomfortable. Fives are very okay with being alone. Mm. Um, And they love community and people, but I just mean in regards to like the shock for a lot of people of having to like stay home, entertain themselves for fives. That was relatively probably not, I'm assuming pretty easy. Yeah. Um, the five that I know in my life, she was saying like, yeah, this year is hard, but like I got to stay home. Like I, I'm totally fine with that. (laughs) I got to recharge and I got to like do all the things that I would have done, but no one was judging me because everyone had to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think with fives, fives deeply love community um, and they love having their people, um, but they often either don't express that or don't feel safe to express that. 
So fives, if you're starting to get super cozy and being by yourself, I want to challenge you as well to make yourself available. Um, Cause I know you love community. I know you love people, but being in a state where you're naturally like comfortable for a really long time makes anybody stagnant, like no matter what your number is. And so I do want to challenge fives too make themselves available to their purpose, make themselves available to people in their lives, wherever they have found that they have remained comfortable to start taking the steps to do the thing that they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similarly to fours. Um, for sixes, something that I, as a six myself, that I did that was very, it was hard, but it really helped me take care of myself. So sixes really love being prepared. Um, again, we love making people feel like they belong. We love belonging ourselves. Um, something that really inspired me from actually a fellow six, I saw do this on Instagram. She wrote out the entirety of what 2020 was. So similarly to ones, where like journaling about how far you've come for sixes, taking a different perspective and writing about the entirety of what occurred as a letter to your future children and as a letter to your future grandchildren Wow! and telling them what your experience was because sixes love giving advice, passing on knowledge, being prepared and helping other people be prepared. And so kind of leaning into something that's natural for you while also helping you process something that's really hard, just having that purpose of like, I can share this with my grandkids one day and it'll be a distant memory, but it'll give them an insight into what I'm doing, which I would encourage anyone, no matter what their type is to maybe try this. Cause it really deeply helped me. Um, another thing for sixes is to create a peaceful routine of some kind, whatever it is, whether you're a night owl or morning person, or you have space in the afternoon, something I've been doing is getting up an hour earlier than I usually would and being slow, um, lighting candles, bringing my books. I do, I read the Bible every day. I journal, I have a book that I'm reading, but giving myself like a full hour and a half to do it at my pace by myself. Mm-hmm. And six is when they move to growth, take on qualities of a nine, which nines are naturally very peace, cozy oriented. And so leaning into that space of I'm, even though there is chaos around me still, I'm going to create peace for myself <laughs> mm-hmm. because I have to, there's literally no other way for me to deal with this fear. And creating that space to even feel the fear, process the fear every day, it has helped me so much in being productive throughout the rest of my day because I've addressed my fears in the morning. Like I've written them down. For me, they're at the feet of Jesus. Now I just have to, now I can move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, For sevens, sevens are energetic, enthusiastic, dreamers, visionaries, um, also people who are very incredibly passionate and practical, which isn't spoken about them a lot, but take that. This is just a side note. Take the seven in your life. Seriously. I'm just going to say it. 
they <laughs> want to be taken seriously sometimes just do it because they're worthy of being taken seriously mm. um as a wing seven something that I love traveling. I love planning to travel. I love like adventure. I love, even though I'm terrified of everything, I push myself to do everything anyway, because I love, I have such a fear of missing out on stuff. Mm, the FOMO um, is real. Yes. The FOMO <laughs> is real. And so for sevens, this whole year has been probably addressing their FOMO head on, yeah, but at the oh same gosh. time, there's nothing to miss out on at the no, same not time. Currently. <laughs> not currently. So it's just this weird dichotomy of what's going on. Um, and the thing is with sevens, I would usually say like create a quarantine bucket list, but they've already done that. Sevens mm-hmm. have like done all of the fun things they've already. Done things at this point. Yes. They've done all of the fun <laughs> things. Um, and so I think something that, um, I would suggest them to do, which they will probably not like me for, but I think that you need to figure out how others can take care of you as well. Mm. Because I know being a seven is lonely and isolating because people see your happy self and expect you to be your happy self. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair. Um, I'm not saying that's fair, but when you're a naturally bubbly person, or a naturally like just rose gold, like rose colored glasses thinker type of person. That's what happens. People expect you to show up as that. I want you to find a person or people that you can give them your whole self to of the, this is what I'm actually working through and processing with. And this is how I need you to take care of me in that. Um, Because sevens are also very self-sufficient They don't want, they want to be taken care of desperately, but don't think anyone will do it. Mm. And so give people the chance, give people the chance to take care of you um, and know that that's okay. And even if it doesn't work out exactly how you were imagining it at first, like allow people to practice taking care of you, like just create that rhythm Mm -hmm. um, for yourself because after quarantine, that will benefit you in the long run. When we're all back out doing the thing, you will have a much um, more rich, you'll have a richer relationship with your friendships um, Mm. at that point. For eights, eights have been, I think, putting on the brave face during this whole quarantine. They're the ones that are fighting for the underdog, especially through all of the, um, social unrest, racial injustice that's happened throughout this year. They're on the front lines. Like they are fighting for what is right, fighting for justice. Um, so I think that something that eights need to do that I feel like isn't necessarily often discussed about them is start setting boundaries um, eights kind of pride themselves on being able to say no. Um, but something they can never say no to is being a leader, no mm. matter how much they don't feel like being a leader in that space. They feel like if no one else does it, I have to be the one to do it. Mm-hmm. And I want to challenge you in all of the things that you're fighting for right now to analyze them, take a step back and say, where do I want to lead actually? And where am I leading? Because I feel like I have to. Hmm. And then I want you 
to say no to all the things you feel like you have to be doing. Um, and honestly, even if nothing gets done for a bit, let someone else step up. You don't have to do everything and creating that boundary with yourself and sitting in that tension and awkwardness of not being the leader, I think is something that's super healthy for them and something they probably need at this point in the pandemic. Um, for nines, our sweet peacemakers, mm. um, the last, our last little beans. Um, let's see. I think something that would help nines during the pandemic, similarly to six, is just starting to create a routine, even though that's very simple. Mm -hmm. um, nines love vibing through life. Like they are good <laughs> at vibing through life, very easygoing, can get very comfortable um, to the point where they can like self forget a little bit. Um, so I think for them, something really straightforward and simple would be to just start putting forth the effort to create a solid routine that benefits your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional health. You know what you need to do. All of the nines I've ever met, I'm also married to a nine, mm -hmm. but all of the nines I've ever met know exactly what they need to be doing for themselves. Um, but they're so comfortable and they don't want to rock the boat in the moment that they just don't do it. Um, or find a thought or bury themselves in work, bury themselves in something else and just kind of avoid that at all costs. going to call you out on that really quick. Stop. Um, you need to, you don't have to even master the spiritual, physical, mental, emotional at one time, just pick one, pick one that, you know, for nines, a lot of it is being connected to their body. If you know that you need to start exercising or doing a yoga practice, or even just taking a walk every morning, just finding something to put in your life that is consistent. That's not just going with the flow of quarantine, mm -hmm. start being a little proactive so that when you're out of quarantine, it's not such a <clears throat> shock of like, oh my gosh, now I have to actually have a routine and restructure everything. Kind yeah. of start thinking about how you can be proactive um, when it's all said and done. Hmm. Those were my tips. <laughs> I feel like we just got a master class in the Enneagram. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. And I hope of that course. no matter what type you are, yeah. you can also take the tips and advice for the other types mm -hmm. um, for the people in your life and really just begin to understand them. So thank you for sharing all of that. Oh my God. Yes, of course. The whole time I was like, wow, like not only do you really know your stuff, but the way in which you share it is so digestible. I don't know if that's mm. the right word, but like really easy to understand and follow. So I'm so grateful. Thank you for sharing all of that. That means so much to me. Thank oh, you. I of appreciate course. It, it, it. I mean it. I mean all of it. <laughs> I mean, because these things can often feel complex and not approachable and you just make it so easy to understand both through your, your Instagram page, what you just shared, and then mm. also in your book. You know, before we go, two last things I want to ask you. And mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty much what I ask everybody that comes on the show. And I think the first thing that I really want to ask you is about joy in your life. Mm. And uh, I would assume the Enneagram has helped bring a little bit more of that into your life. For sure. Joy. I think there's a two sides of the coin with it because yeah. it started out as something that really brought me joy and slowly turned into also a job. 
True. Um, yeah. So there are some elements of it that honestly, some days I don't enjoy. And I wish I could throw the Enneagram out the window and be like, <laughs> give my brain a break. Um, but what I have found that is bringing me joy and bringing joy back into the Enneagram is honestly taking care of myself. Yeah. Um, creating the rhythms and space for me to exist and be apart from work, apart from the pandemic, apart from everything is bringing so much joy back into my life. Um, some other things that are bringing me joy. Um, I used to be an avid reader growing up and I lost that habit, Mm -hmm. but this month have read almost every day and in January and it has brought me so much joy. Oh, um, I love reading so much. Also, I love just playing um, Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I stream on Twitch for fun as well. And so that's been bringing me a lot of joy to just I connect with people about something really lighthearted and fun. Um, also, my husband and I are watching all the movies that we've been wanting to watch, but just never did. And that's bringing us a lot of joy, just spending that time together, but also seeing things and being like, why didn't we watch this? Or being like, wow, that was terrible. (laughs) So that's joy for me right now, for sure. I love it. All right. And then my last question for you before we go is what is your biggest dream? Ooh, I know it's a big one. I know it's a big one. But I know exactly how to answer. So it's okay. Okay, Um, I... My biggest dream um, is very specific. I'm like laying out my entire career plan right now. But I love it. Let's go. Um, Speak it into like, existence. Yes. Um, I basically a part of my story that throughout the years I'm hoping to share more of is just um, experiencing some trauma within the church. Um, I am a Christian, so that's like a part of my page and like my life as well. And having a undiagnosed mental disorder as well. Um, I have OCD and panic disorder and growing up with that with most of my life within a Christian church context. Mm -hmm. Um, the church is very uneducated, um, and almost has a dated view. It's getting a lot better, but has a dated view of what trauma and faith look like of what a mental disorder and faith look like. And I'm currently in grad school to become a licensed therapist. Hmm. Um, And so my ultimate dream is to go into church staffs, church organizations, ministries, and do group therapy. Um, Honestly, I want to start creating resources for pastors, for people, because honestly, pastors and suicide rates are actually insane. Hmm. Um, this is like my whole nerdy feel, but like these people that are leading people spiritually are often the most depressed and lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've personally witnessed too many pastoral suicides that I just can't like not do something yeah. about it and experiencing an unhealthy church culture and unhealthy work culture, if even just broadening that, just going into work environments, whether that be a faith-based work environment or just a normal work environment, we spend most of our time at work and that environment has to be working towards health. And so just going in those situations and doing group therapy, potentially writing a book about that whole experience, I would say that's my 
top dream for sure. (laughs) I love it. You know, it goes back to, I think what we were saying at the very beginning of our conversation about for you, the Enneagram and really for anyone being this exploration of self, a personal Mm. development tool of connecting with yourself, but also being a really positive, creative outlet. And so I'm just so grateful for this conversation and for you coming on the podcast. I have learned so much today and I had the best oh, I'm time so connecting glad. with you. So thank you so much. Where where can everybody find you, find your book, uh, connect and, and learn more? Yeah. So you can first find my book on Amazon, Barnes Noble, Indie Books. If you just also go on the Simon & Schuster like website, you can find it and there'll be like different buttons of where you can purchase the book. Exactly. I don't remember all of them off the top of my head. It's pretty much probably everywhere at this point, right? Yeah, it's probably everywhere, except for I think like Target and stuff. Don't go there expecting to see it. Okay, don't go to Target for the book. Yeah, don't go to Target. Um, I wish, but no, it's fine. But I think that, um, yeah, you can find my book there. Um, Also on my website too, christinaswilcox.com. There's a page that's about my book that you can also just find all the resources. Everywhere else, Instagram, Christina S. Wilcox, Twitch, Christina S. Wilcox, YouTube, Christina S. Wilcox. It's all the same, Um, but you can't find me on Twitter. So don't go looking there. Twitter scares me to death. So So I just stay on Instagram. We'll go on the website. We just won't go on Twitter. We won't go to Target. (laughs) Also, my username is taken. So I had to do something like really random and weird. So you won't even find me. So it's fine. But all those other places you can find me. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much, Christina. Everything will go in the show notes. We'll make it super easy for everyone to find you and connect. And thank you so Mm -hmm. much again. I am. I'm really excited for people to hear this. I think especially we're at a year of the pandemic. And so taking care of yourself and reflecting on this last year is going to be so important. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. 